0: week we started a series um, that we are calling, that we're going to be in the summer that we're calling Sojourners, A Sojourner's Guide. And uh, we're going to be journeying through the, the letter of First Peter. And, um, and so last week, you know, we, we looked at the, the writer of this letter, a man named Peter. He was an apostle, one of the apostles of Jesus. He was this renowned global leader in the first century in, in the church. And so he, he sits down and he writes this letter that would be circulated to churches that are scattered all over what is now modern day Turkey. And kind of the, the situation that, that he writes to is that he's writing to these churches, these Christians who find themselves in the midst of, of just some hard situations. And we're going to kind of unpack this as we move throughout this letter and deeper into this series. But, but what you see and what you need to know just kind of for today is that these Christians, these churches, they find themselves in the midst of a culture where, where the things that these Christians and these churches are after is, is bumping up against the thing that the, the culture is after. And so these Christians that are filling these churches, man, their, their hearts are for God and they want to know God and they want to live for his glory and they want to make his known. And they want to make his name known and, and they're living in this culture that, that is putting all of this opposition, this physical, even spiritual opposition against him. And so he affirms him from the very beginning of his letter. He writes to these people who might even be insecure in their faith if they're not even sure if, if they are a part of the body because of, of their past and because they don't have the heritage and because they didn't grow up in, in Christian homes, right? And so he writes to them and he says, you need to know from the get-go that you've been chosen by God. And he encouraged them, he says, you need to know that if you haven't arrived yet, it's okay because the Holy Spirit that is inside of you is sanctifying you, making you more like Jesus. And you need to know that as Christians, your job is to keep walking in obedience to Jesus. Don't worry about what the culture is saying and doing to you. Keep your eyes on Christ. And remember that through all the stumbling and all the falling, through all the ups and the ups and the downs, that that the blood of Jesus covers you that you're forgiven, that you're sealed, that you're seated in the heavenly places. And so last week, Paul is, or Peter, not Paul, is, is encouraging and, and blessing the, 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 the bodies that are gonna be reading this in today. I would just maybe describe it like this. The purpose in the three verses that Sarah read is that he's wanting them and he's wanting us to understand and to accept what has been given to us in Jesus. That if you could just kind of wrap up what we're gonna be talking about today. He's trying to get Christians and Churches all over the world to, to accept what has been given to us in Jesus and through Jesus. And not that we would just accept it, but that our lives would be shaped by what Christ has done is, and is doing in our lives. So He wants us to accept it, and He wants our lives to be shaped by it. And I'll just maybe kind of set it up like this. I remember. Um, getting my driver's license. Like how many of you remember the day that you got your license? Like raise your hand if you remember that day. And, and so some of you might've like had a wreck on your, fir- like, your first day of driving. So this isn't a good example, but, but I know for me when, when I got my license, it was like one of the best days of my life, right? Like I literally just remember getting my license in February and just this, this freedom and this joy. Like, man, I can go to my friend's houses whenever I want, <laughs> And I can eat wherever I want, and I can play the music as loud as I want, and I can put the windows down in the middle of winter if I want, and I don't have to ask anybody about it. And, and, the, and there was this just joy and this freedom that came from this little license. Maybe you experienced that joy. But the reality is that, that the real joy came, not when I just accepted this, not when I just put it in my, my wallet and, and had it, but, but when I, my life started to be shaped by it. And so it's amazing to to get this license and to be able to do these things. But the real joy came when when I got in the car, when I got in my truck and I started driving and I put the windows down and and I set it up like this because I want us to understand that that I believe that so many people in our city, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, maybe even in our own homes and under the same roofs that we live in, man, they, they don't understand what God has offered to them in Jesus. The reality is that many Christians don't either that for many of us, not us, but maybe us, people around us, it's, it's like we're sitting in the driveway and we wanna go and we wanna do something. And we don't understand that this license is, is given to all freely. And, and, and it's like that people don't understand that it's not just about having this license, but it's about putting it into practice. And so uh, I, I wanna set it up like this, man. I, I think that, that Jesus Today is wanting us to understand what he's given to us. And that you and I, our lives would be drastically shaped by what has been given to us. Peter says this in verse three. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's on to something. You see, when you begin to taste, when you begin to experience what God has given, the realness of Jesus, the fullness of the Holy Spirit at work. When you realize that, when you see it for what it is, just a thing of pure beauty, the heart's response is always to worship. Think about those moments, for those of you who are Christians, when, when the gospel just like hits you afresh. <laughs> Think about those moments where, man, you've just been you've been running and you're exhausted, and the Lord just shows up and speaks into your situation. And there's something about God when we see God for who He is that just illuminates us and and gets us to our feet and makes our hands raise. And and, and the reality is that when when you and I when we see Jesus when when we understand what has been given to us in Jesus, the heart's response is to praise. And the reality is that we don't walk around in this posture. Like, right, you're not gonna go to work tomorrow with your hands raised and just singing all the time because. Life and the enemy are at work. But those moments when when you see the goodness of God, our hearts come alive. Peter goes on to explain the reason for the praise, and it's so rich. He says this in the second part of verse three. He says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade and this inheritance is kept in heaven for you and so he highlights two reasons he looks at us and he says Christians there are there are two reasons that you got to understand that that make you stand up and make you raise your hands and make your heart just come out of your chest and and he, and he says two things the first is this what we have now and what we have to look forward to and I wanna press into both of those for a few minutes here. He says, so what do we have right now? And he uses this language that I think is just so, so rich. He says that we've been given this new birth into a living hope. I was reading this week from people who are way smarter than me. This is what one commentator said. It says, whatever else this, this new birth means, it means that when people become Christians, there comes into their lives a change that is so radical that the only thing that can be said is that life has begun all over again for them. I'll share a little example, maybe help bring this down a little bit clear. You know, I have, um, I have a little girl, I have three kids, but my youngest, her name's Merritt. she's 15 months old. And one of my favorite things to do right now is to watch Merritt discover things that she's never seen before. Maybe you have nieces or nephews or maybe you have kids yourself and and, and you've seen this, but, but just to watch her eyes discover things that she's never seen before is amazing. And so anytime that, that there's an animal in our yard, you know, kind of live next to the like five, like just wooded acres and it's just beautiful. And so all these deer and all these animals live there, foxes and stuff. And so anytime these animals are in our backyard, I run and I, like, I go get my kids and especially Mary because I want her to see these and I'll point it out and I love seeing her face, see things that she's never seen before. Like look at that squirrel carrying that nut or look at that deer or, or look at that garbage truck. And, and her eyes are just like, whoa. And we take those things for granted, right? Like the the things that the first time you experience something. And and I just was realizing it's the same thing in this life when you become a Christian. When you are born anew into this life that God has for us, that, that you start to see and you start to discover the activity of God in our lives and in those around you. And it's like a baby discovering things for the first time. There is wonder. There is joy. There is awe. As you start to discover that God is not distant, that God is not unconcerned, but that God is so close and that he's working. I got to drive up to Kentucky yesterday. My youngest brother um, had a, a baby girl. So I have a new niece. And and the reality is, you know, I was holding her up and she's beautiful and just, well, as beautiful as a newborn can be. And, and I'm looking at her and, and, and as a newborn, you can't see anything. Like, even if you hold them right to your face, like, they, you can't see. And for some of you, you're, you're new Christians and you're going, man, I, I, I can't see God yet. Or maybe you feel like a new Christian because you gave your life to Jesus, but you chased the ways of the world for a long time. And that was kind of my story, that that I gave my life to Jesus at a young age. And then I just started chasing everything but the Lord. And and so for a long time, I was like this this newborn child that couldn't see God. But the reality is that as you grow up in God, as you start to realize the, the goodness and the activity of God, you start to see You start to see God in the people around you. You start to see God working and it just makes your heart come alive. Remember about 11 or 12 years ago, God put this dream of ethos in Dave and Sidney's heart. Dave and Sidney Clayton over at the cannery. And I remember they were praying and they were discerning if they were gonna start this church. They weren't talking to anybody about it. They weren't discussing it with anyone. It was just between the two of them. And, and I remember Dave telling me that, that they went through this season where they just were praying. And he said, there was one day that I remember distinctly just saying, God, if, if this is from you, we will, we will plant this church. We will do whatever it is that you're calling to. but we need to know that it's from you, that it's not from us. And so they, they pray and, and, and they pray. And he comes home from work one day and he gets a call from his cousin. And his cousin lives in a different state And he looks and he calls Dave and he says, hey, the Holy Spirit told me that you need to plant that church in Nashville. And he hadn't talked to his cousin. He hadn't talked to anyone about it. It's one of those moments where it was like the, the words of God just like came into his life. And I remember hearing that story and it was like, I uh, honestly, I believe that God spoke through the scriptures, but I didn't believe that God really spoke like that. I think that was like one of those turning point moments in my life where, where my eyes started to be open. I experienced God in a new you about my brother, my friend, Andrew Branch. I don't know where he is this morning. I'm gonna give him a call, let him know we missed him today. I remember him telling me during the fast, during fast forward that that he he said, man, that he said, whenever I, he's like, I I think that God is um, showing me that I don't have a very compassionate heart. He said, I hear about people that are going through situations and, and I'm always, you know, I'm like my, my heart kind of goes out to them. He said, but, but throughout this season of prayer and fasting, God has been showing me that he wants me to have a, a, a more compassionate, more Christ-like response when people are going through hard things. And he was telling me that. And I'm going, man, that is, that is not the ways of the world that the ways of the world, the ways of our culture teaches us to think about ourselves, teach us to to take care of ourselves, teach us to to make the world all about us. And when you start to see that that the Holy Spirit is calling people to to care more for other people, it's it's God at work. And there was something about that moment where my eyes started to see more. Or a couple years ago, I was over at my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law's house. My brother-in-law's a CrossFit teacher. He's an instructor. And he hurt his back. I remember God just saying, hey, I I want you to to just ask him if he believes if I can heal him and just pray for him. So I went over to his house and and he's limping out there. He's been laying on the couch all day like an old person. and, 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 And I pray for him, just ask him, hey, do you believe that God can heal? He says, yeah, I believe. And so we just pray. And something happened instantly. Like instantly, there was miraculous healing complete. And and I don't understand the way that God works, but, but I know that what he was showing me in that moment is that, that he does heal and that he's wanting me to understand who he is and what he does in our world. And I can find him to the Bible. And I'm going, what else is God doing in our world? What are the dump trucks? And what are the squirrels that, that I haven't seen yet? Dale was telling me about this a couple weeks ago, this little vial of oil He was telling me about this church in Dalton, Georgia. Have you guys heard this story? A couple of them. So there's a church in Dalton, Georgia. And back in 2014, the the church just started praying, just praying. 2017 in January, get done praying one morning. One of the guys, he he goes and he gets his Bible, and he realizes that that his Bible is wet. So he asks his wife, he's like, hey, have our grandkids been playing around my Bible? Like, they spill something on it. Like, no, the grandkids haven't touched it, they haven't been around it at all. He's like, that's weird. He starts looking at his Bible, starts paying attention, and he realizes that from the inside of the Bible, something is is spreading. And it's oil. It's not water. It's not a spill. That, That oil is is pouring out of this Bible. So he takes this Bible, you can read about it. It's a a website. It's happening in Dalton, Georgia, just south of Chattanooga. If you don't believe me, you can go and read it. His name is flowingoil.org is a website. And and he puts this Bible in a Ziploc bag and the bag fills up with oil. And he takes the Bible out and he puts it in this plastic container and the container fills up four times over. They have filled 50,000 vials of these oil and they've given them away. And the oil continues to flow. And Dale was telling me about this one morning. He and I were having coffee in the office. I've never heard anything like this before. Like, I don't know if you have an oil dripping Bible. If so, why have you held that from our church? Like, what's wrong with you? You gotta share those things. And, 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 and I share this because I go, man, when, when, when God starts to show us his activity, we just want more of it. It doesn't make any sense why a Bible would be dripping oil other than the fact that God wants us to understand that he is more involved, that he is more real, that he is more active than maybe we're even giving him credit for. And he's wanting us to understand that right now you have access to this God. The real power, the real love, the real goodness, the God who sees you the God who heals, the God who provides, the God who delights in you, the God who died to save you right now. Paul said, Peter says, this is yours. That access to this God, life with this God is yours now. But it's not just the now. If all we had was, was, was God right now, it would be amazing, but it gets better he says, you have things to look forward to, Christians. And you imagine hearing this when, in the midst of a culture that doesn't want you, in the midst of a, of a culture that opposes you in the world, that, that the spiritual forces are weighing down on your hearts and your soul. And Peter looks at these Christians, he says, remember what you have now. Remember the God that, that is active in your life. And think about what's yet to come. And so he uses this language that I think is so beautiful. He says, you have an inheritance that is kept in heaven. An inheritance that doesn't perish, spoil, or fade. Do we really believe that God has better things waiting for us? Like, do we really believe that? Everything in our lives perishes. It spoils. It fades. You know, the the vegetables that are growing in your garden, Drew, right? You're going to pick them. And if you don't eat them, what's going to happen to them? They're going to rot. They're going to be good for the soil next year, right? But they're not going to benefit you at all. The food that we eat, the cars that we drive, everything, it perishes, it spoils, it phased I think about back in 2008, I graduated college and it was in the midst of the recession in our economy and people were losing their retirement and some people were losing their minds, right? And I wonder if we can even begin to grasp this, that God is holding something for us that doesn't depreciate, that doesn't dwindle. I read this week that the reason our inheritance doesn't perish, spoil, or fade is because God is our inheritance, That's pretty profound because I think for a lot of my life, what I've wanted, the things in life that bring me temporary pleasure, I wanted those things abundantly in heaven. But the more I'm around people who love God, the more I'm around people who've loved God for a long time, I realize that the difference in their life and in my life is that what they want most in heaven is not the stuff. Is the God who dwells there. See, the reason that heaven will be so good for the saints is because the saints get what the saints have always wanted, which is God, unhindered, undistracted, without any enemy. And this is ours, this is our inheritance, this is what awaits us. And it's all activated. Because of his mercy. Because of God's resurrection from the dead, that God who loved our lives so much that he gave himself up to death for our sake, we didn't earn it, we didn't deserve it, but he has done it for us. He's given us this new birth. He has created this inheritance, which is himself, which he cannot wait to give us fully and finally one day in the kingdom of heaven. This is what God has done for us. And yet Peter makes it clear that that we do have a part to play in it. The reality is that, that all this that God has offered is offered to every single person. It's not just to you because you're here on a Sunday morning. It's offered to every person who has ever breathed. But not everyone wants God. I was listening to this teaching by this man named Dallas Willard. And he was talking about in this talk how God doesn't force um, anyone into relationship with him. You see, if the best of this life is living with God and the best of, of life to come is being unhindered, undistracted in his presence, and if people don't want this God right now, why in the world would they want that in a fullness and eternity And because God is a God of love and because love does never force itself on others, God gives people what they want. But but for people who say, I don't have all the answers and I'm not perfect and I haven't arrived and I don't have it all figured out, but if there is a God who died to save me, if there's a God that you're describing who's active in our world, doing the things that you're proclaiming that he is doing, I don't have it all figured out. But I want to know a God like that. I want to know a God that would, that would heal somebody. I want to know a God that would, that would respond to prayer by doing something weird like pouring oil through a Bible. I want to know a God who speaks through people. I want to know a God who would offer his son for our ransom so we could be set free. And he says, for those who want this, you step in by faith. Verse five, through faith, you are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in this last time. Do you notice that he doesn't say through striving or through being perfect? He says through faith. And I realize that this is what God has been looking for all along. I would maybe describe faith like this for our conversation this morning. Faith is taking God at his word. A lot of times, maybe we connect faith with feelings. Man, how am I feeling today? I don't really feel God. I don't really feel close to his heart. And so often we, we deduce faith to our feelings. And and faith is much richer, more profound. It's taking God at his word. This is what you see in Genesis chapter 15, this man named Abram, his wife named Sarah, and God shows up to them. And he says, I know that you're old. I know that you've never had kids, but I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a a child. You're going to have a, you're going to give birth, Sarah, Abraham. You're going to have a son that's going to come through you. And it says that Abraham believed God. He took God at his word. He said, yes, God. I believe that you're a truth teller. I believe that, that you don't utter lies, that you don't give false hope. I believe that when you speak, you do what you say. Faith is choosing to take God at his word, even when we can't see, even when we're having a hard time getting our hearts there. These so the scriptures, God says to us, Jesus rose from the dead. He is in heaven, preparing a place for us. And a heart that responds in faith says, man, I wasn't there in the the resurrection. Like Kate, you weren't there. You're not 2000 years old. I didn't touch his hands. I didn't put my my hands where the, the nails were. Like the apostles and like many other disciples, many other men and women did. We weren't there for it. But we choose to take you at your word, God. Even though we can't see it, even though it doesn't make sense, we choose to take you at your word. My wife, Courtney, and I got married. She said some pretty amazing vows, and I said them back to her. You know, she said, I, I will be only yours. And there was no way for me to fully know if she would keep her word in that moment. I looked back and I realized that she'd been faithful prior to our relationship. That gave me confidence, same thing for her. But in that moment, I I chose to take her at her word, trusting that, that she would do what she said that she would do. And because of that, 10 years later, relationship happens, and it grows, you know, I was asking my neighbor, we have neighbors a few doors down and every day after work when it's pretty, the kids and I just to get out of the house to give Courtney some space, we, we get on the bikes and we go up to our neighbors just to say hi, to check in on them. And, and, and I was asking him the other day, you know, hey, what's the, the secret? You've been married 39 years. And he said, trust. Trust. I'm like, hmm. Okay, and you transfer that to our relationship with the Lord. Man, if we don't trust God, if we're not willing to take God at his word, relationship, it can't thrive. You see, but when we choose to trust God, even when we can't see, even when we don't have absolute proof, God says, when you choose to take me at my word, He says, you're gonna be shielded by my power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. And I love that picture. You see, there's something very significant when you and I begin to understand what has been given to us now and what is awaiting us in fullness one day. There's something that happens when when we accept this, when we take it into our lives, when when we take this license and we get in the car and we actually start to drive and we start to explore. You see, when we start to really accept that there is a God that came and died and rose from the dead for us, it changes us. You know, even this morning, I'm trying to apply this to my life. I'm, I'm preparing for this morning, trying to get my heart ready to preach, trying to get my heart ready to be with you. And I'm reminded that, that I need the goodness of Jesus. Like, Man, my, I've been, my heart's been so divided. It's, it's not been undivided. I've been thinking about so many other things. God, I've not given you the best. And he's just reminding me, hey, apply this. Apply this. Remember, Brandon, that, that, that all of your sin has, was put on Jesus. At every bit of it, Amy. Every bit of your sin was put on Jesus. And then he died for it. And it's done. So that when he sees us, he sees us forgiven and free and for us because we're gonna continue to fall. We're gonna continue to stumble. We have to be people that learn to apply this. You know what? We did mess up. And we did stumble and we did fall. But God, I choose to believe that my sin is covered that my sonship and my daughtership hasn't changed because of what you have done for me. And when that hits us, man, that's when it changes us. When we grasp this God, this realness, this goodness, the freedom that comes in our hearts and in our lives, man, we will not be able to quit talking about this God. And my hope and my prayer is that the goodness of God just so grabs our hearts, Grabs every part of us. You see, when when you and I experience something that we really believe makes life better for people, we never ask for their permission to share it. Like when you eat at a new restaurant or when you go to a city that you love or you get a dog and you just believe that, that everyone should have a dog, like you don't ask permission. Hey, can I tell you something that's gonna make your life better? No, you're just obnoxiously talking about it, right? And I do the same thing. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The things that are in here, the things that come out of us, and I'm just asking God, hey, God, would you help Brandon be so just enamored by who you are that I can't help but talk about you? Because the reality is that that there are so many situations where I'm just, I'm, I'm hindered, I hold back. And I know that you do too. I'm going, God, would you help us on a heart level to accept what you've been given to us? So that the rest of our lives can be shaped by it. And I'll say this and then I'll be done. You know, the reality is that life with Jesus, it's not some bait and switch. It's not all these promises, all these good things on the front end. And then you get in and you realize, oh man, that, that was, a—I got gypped. Think about movies that you've seen before where you see a preview for a movie and it's like hilarious or it's like all the best scenes of the movie. And you're like, man, if, 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 That is an appetizer of the movie. I can't wait to see how good the movie is. And then you get into the movie and you realize that all the good scenes were taken out and put in the preview and you feel gypped, right? And it's not that way with God. That the goodness and the realness of God gets you in and begins to open your eyes. He gives life to you. And then in this life, he keeps opening our eyes to experience him and see him more and more. We're gonna take communion here in just a minute. Every week we eat a piece of bread, we drink a cup of juice. And I wanna invite you to to scatter around the room or to come back to your chairs and to take communion with the people that you're sitting with, people that you feel comfortable talking with. There's just something that happens when when we refuse to just do things in isolation. And if you need to do your own thing this morning, that's okay. But there's something profound that happens when we open up a little bit to each other. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, I wanna just invite you to explore, to think about is there any part of your life that right now you're having a hard time taking God at his word? Is there any part of your life where you're having a hard time taking God at his word? And share that and pray for each other and listen for each other and pray that God would, would help us to experience him and to share him this week with those around us that don't know him. And if you're not a Christian, as we take communion, I wanna just invite you to explore a couple of questions. Hey, do you want to discover this God? Are you interested in starting a new life? in this life that you have right now? Will you trust God? Even though you can't see God? Will you take God at his word that Jesus did die for your sins, that he did rise from the dead, that he is in heaven waiting to bring us to him? And if you wanna talk or pray, if you're a follower of Jesus or if you're not, there'll be some men and women at the back at the respond banner. If you just want prayer, if you wanna talk, we'd love to help, we'd love to connect. anyone who needs prayer come to the back let's pray and we'll take communion God thank you so much for this morning thank you for these men and these women and for all the places that we find ourselves in God would you move as we take communion would you help us to believe would you help us to understand that every time that we take a step in faith we start to see you more that every time you called us to to take you at your word, every time I I go get merit and and she comes with me willingly, she gets to see and experience something. God, I pray that we would do the same today. I pray that this community would be marked by, by faith in you, Jesus, that we would love you, that we would serve you with our whole hearts. And God, for all those this morning who are facing opposition, maybe spiritual opposition, or maybe even from family or work, because of their faith, would you just encourage them, especially this morning. Thank you for the way that you minister to us in a way that that Andrew and Nana or Nick or I, none of us ever could, that you're so much better than us uh, at ministry, Jesus. And so I just invite you, would you do that right now through your spirit, for your glory, for the good of your name, that this city would come to know you. In your name we pray. Amen.